Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey everyone, welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment. Check it out over at tethernation.com, and we have a great one for you all this week. Dimitri and I stopped over to the Honey Hole Game Calls headquarters and sat down with co-owner Andrew Mills. Andrew is a state trooper and a freaking turkey fanatic. Andrew is the co-owner, like I said, to Honey Hole Game Calls. We had him on the podcast <laughs> like two three years ago doing episodes uh, in person is always a great time and this one was no exception we cover a good bit in this episode from whitetail upcoming out-of-state turkey hunts to covering the basics for what you should be doing now to prepare for turkey season last minute those of you that don't go out of state like myself here i just stay here for turkey hunts mainly but Andrew is an extremely accomplished turkey hunter from completing the Grand Slam to trying to complete the U.S. Slam. I think he says in the podcast he's up to 14 or 15 states where he's already killed a bird. So to begin this episode, though, we dive into quickly who Andrew is and what got him really into hunting for turkey. He also has three daughters from the ages 7 through 10 that are already very accomplished hunters from whitetails, trapping to turkeys. And we asked him about getting his girls involved in the hunting and then we transition to his planning process for Spring Gobbler from e-scouting, boots on the ground, sign, calling, where he finds success a lot of the times, and then to his thoughts on the PA season time frame. We get into other hunting strategies, stories throughout the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to Andrew finding more success this upcoming spring. And I really encourage you to check out Honey Hole Game Calls when you are looking to add your next mouth call to your turkey vest. Great guys that are involved with this company and andrew is a is a good one man so it's always great to support good people local so check them out also thanks again for all the support best of luck to you out there get make sure you're getting everything dialed up for spring for turkey whether you're doing that or getting ready to shoot 3d all that jazz so you know real quick though before we dive into this podcast i wanted to mention a few things regarding some of my favorite gear and this is an update from last week and like I mentioned last week, we have two exclusive codes that you could use at America's Best Bowstrings and Shea Butler Knives. And like I mentioned before, Shea is one of my really good friends. He's been making our hats. He's been making custom knives for us the last three years. And he just recently released three new blades. Recently using the, I think the Whitetail is kind of redone. The Reverence is brand new and the Hostile Knife just came out this past week. So check that out. And if you use code Antler up 25, you'll save 25% off those knives. Ridiculous price. So basically like to your door, it comes out to like just over 200 bucks. And also over at America's Best Bowstring, some of the best strings 
that we have used from the premium even, which aren't their platinum series, but we've been putting platinum series strings on our bows for the last two years. Uh, plus, I think we've been running them now for four years. So great guys, great company, great strings, great product, just really good people. You use code antlerup, you'll save $10 off your order. And then again, we're talking turkey here, and I cannot lead into this episode without talking about the M2 vest from Tethered. They worked with THP on this for the last two years, and this M2 vest is extremely modular. Tons of great videos on on the variety of ways that you could set this sucker up, and I'm telling you, it is the ultimate run-and-gun hunting vest. You could use it, obviously, for turkey, but there you could use it fishing. Check out the hunting public podcast that they did with Carl uh, he, he covers a bunch of different ways that you could use this made right here in the USA. So check it out over at tethernation.com. And the last one, before we get into this episode, like I said, last week, I've been using Exodus trail cameras for the last three years from their Trek to their high end, uh, render. Well, recently they released their budget price one in the rival, but right now they're offering their trade up program. This offers for any existing Exodus customers with registered cameras in their database. So this would include any camera that's been purchased from Exodus for the last eight years. They're lift one, lift twos, Trek cameras. They're all fair game for this. So right now you could use code trade up to save 30% on the Exodus render rival render bundle packages, or even the rival bundle packages for the remainder of March. So once you place an order, they'll send you a return label for, for your Exodus camera. You'll be trading in and after it's received, they'll send you your brand new render or rival, whichever one you purchase. I did this already in the years past. It's awesome. It's great. You know, again, kind of shows their customer service and how much they believe in their product. So check those out over at exodusoutdoorgear.com. That's all I got everybody for you this week. Thanks again so much for all the support. Have a great one. Antler up. All right. So, hey, we're live. We're down in the Honey Hole Game Call headquarters. Here in, I like it, yeah. <laughs> here in uh, central Pennsylvania, not too far from down the road from Dimitri and I, and we have Andrew Mills. Andrew, I, I the horrible job of checking to see when the last time we had you on, but I think you were, man, you had to be in there like episode 30. So, and we're on, it's been a few years. This will be in like the 160s. So, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So this it's is been it's, a while. it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> been too long. I, every time we would run into each other or something, we'd say, we got to record, we got to record and, you know, life and your, your work's not, you know, the, the easiest. And, you know, that's why I, last week when I messaged you and you go, I'm pretty wide open. I was like, Hey, great. Let's get it done. <laughs> Dimitri has something tomorrow night. And I was hoping when you said, uh, you're still free. I was like, oh, that's all right. Cause he told me he was, you're still free. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on Pennsylvania hunters doing all types of stuff, chasing birds, chasing whitetail. We're, we're just uh, in awe checking out all the mounts that you have down here. Just some awesome whitetail, awesome turkey. So 2023 spring is here. It's well, here. Well, it's about to be here. It's probably been here in your mind for the last couple of weeks already. Months. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to be hunting here in 12 days. Okay. What, what, what is that first hunt? I'm going uh Mississippi. Okay. Heading well, to Mississippi. Uh, yeah so we'll see what happens last time i was there it wasn't i didn't have much luck yeah <laughs> so what what has been the toughest state to hunt mississippi okay so far that i've been to yeah did you end up going to delaware yeah that i came close did about you? as close as you can come without squeezing the trigger yeah and uh i was only able to hunt for two or three days so okay. i didn't get to yeah hunt it 
for a very long time, but it was uh it was a tough it was a tough state as well. Yeah. But I at least got to work at Gobbler there and yeah. came very, very close. Nice. Well, before we dive into the whole turkey and whitetail and just other uh, fun shenanigans, you know, introduce yourself again, I guess, since it's been so long to, to some new listeners and everything like that, if they haven't gone back and listened to us ramble on early, <laughs> <laughs> early on. So, you know, tell us who you are, Andrew, where you come from and, you know, why, you know, you're passionate, so passionate about turkeys, I guess. All right, yeah, I'm Andrew Mills. Uh, I grew up Clearfield County and uh, still reside here. And uh, state trooper and uh, state police here in uh, Pennsylvania. And married with three daughters. Uh, they're ages 10, 8, and 7. And uh, I'm just a passionate turkey hunter. I mean, it comes <laughs> down to I just like to hunt turkey. And I wish I could do it year round, but, yeah. uh, so I try to maximize my time whenever it comes to spring. So, yeah, yeah that's, uh, I, and I got into it just at a young age that's, and I've just, as soon as I started traveling, I started getting the fever pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. Now talk about, you know, getting your, your daughters involved, you know, cause I love seeing it just because yeah. you, you most of your posts are, you know, usually of your kids of killing whitetails or, or turkeys and, you know, and having three daughters, right. You know, you thought maybe thought you, they wouldn't even be interested in it. So talk a little bit about your experience of trying to get them involved. And, you know, you do a great job of what I can see is fr getting them involved and enjoying it and what that process has been like for you. Oh, thanks. I, I enjoy it. I actually, that's the, some of the funnest hunts I've ever been on is <laughs> taking them. Um, I don't push it. I didn't, I never pushed it on any of them, but, uh, that they, they would always be interested. Anytime I'd be, uh, um, out hunting, they would ask to tag along and I kind of, um, any, any, uh, opportunity I had, I would take them. And, uh, eventually they wanted to start hunting and they were old enough with this, uh, new youth se mentored season. Excellent. Cause we didn't have that option when we were younger. I mean, we had to wait until we were what, 12 years old mm -hmm. and <laughs> They've all, they've all killed gobblers, uh, I think, seven. All of them had got one at age seven, so it's been amazing. And uh, I think the success has helped them continue, like, yeah. want to keep going. So lucky, luckily enough, I try to uh, I try to gauge what day the weather looks best and, and, and maximize that opportunity on those days uh, or when I – earlier in the seasons for turkey season anyway um when i think that turkeys are going to be most responsive to yeah. maybe calling and because i think too like in the deer woods unless it's the prime rut we're not hearing anything from deer other than their footsteps rustling the leaves so as a young kid like you said seven eight or nine man probably hearing a gobble is obviously shooting a turkey's a lot more fun but hearing that is is also pretty awesome yeah and it there's that interaction part with turkey that makes it a little bit more uh i don't know it makes it easier i think to keep their attention yeah, span. The engagement for them. yeah it, it and they they all have deer hunted with me um it, i know when it comes to deer hunting if we're not seeing anything within the first hour or so their attention span starting yeah. <laughs> now with ipads and everything yeah i mean it, it I hand them an iPad or my phone and, and try to keep them there as long as I can, because you have to, you're not going to, I always say, you're not going to get one. If you go home, I, I don't push it on them. If they want to, 
if I don't want to ruin it. So, well, that's what I think it's the hard part about, you know, getting the youth involved. I, I think about watching the couple videos that the hunting public have just put out. And I think they're in Mississippi too. I think right now, right now, they but they were hunting it. with a couple guys that were um, taking their sons out. And I think, and daughters. And, you know, the one guy said, you know, sometimes I, I, I come out with my, my kids and, and, you know, do setups that I know that we're probably not going to be successful because I want to show them that you can't be successful every time. And I think that's a kind of the, the, the hard, you know, metric to balance, right? You know, yeah. you, you don't want to just take them out there and say, well, we're going to get something or see some every time, but you don't want to not be successful and then they kind of lose interest. So, yeah. you know, that was a good point where, you know, they, they kind of had a bigger piece of public or a private land where they can, you know, see him and, you know, they have better success odds. So that's probably why he's trying to lean them towards the, it's not going to be perfect every time, you know? So I feel like even for us, you know, hunting public ground or in Pennsylvania where it might be a little bit more difficult, you know, you got to find that kind of balance where you're teaching them how it, how it really is. And, you know, but you want to keep their interest. I agree. I mean, you have to keep them, uh, like you said, interested in it. And if, if you don't, they're not going to want to go, but at the same time, they have to under, have an understanding that it's not going to happen every time you go out. Yeah. I, I, uh, my oldest, she's been getting into archery as well. And, uh, we've had some good hunts, but once the weather starts getting colder, she's, she doesn't want to go. (laughs) Yeah. Which is okay by me because that's usually when the, it's uh, the prime time. Yeah. So, but I'd love for her to go. But. That's awesome, though. Like Dimitri said, you do. I mean, just from the post and, you know, the fact that they want to go year after year for, you know, your oldest wants to continue that and your youngest wants to keep going. It's just, you know, that's a testament. So good yeah. job, man. Thank hope, you. Yeah. Hope, hopefully we will follow in that, that right footsteps so. one day. It is a blast. Yeah. Uh, it, so. I like it. No, man. Well, what about, uh, you know, we plan, we obviously, Dimitri and I were diehard when it comes to whitetail and, you know, obviously you have honey hole game calls, you know, you're making your own turkey calls, which we'll, we'll talk about that. But, you know, what is your planning process? Like we scout what, whether it's on our phones all the time, we're out going into the woods, we're talking on the podcast. So that's always on our, our brain. Like I'm as green as green gets when it comes to preparing for turkey season other than making sure my i have shotgun shells my pattern's good and i'm practicing my mouth calls right so like what is your pre-season yearly routine like what does that look like do you even i mean i know for you yes your turkey's on your brain all the time Mm. but like what does that look like for you even during that whitetail season well i'm i'm usually making calls through the fall Mm -hmm. still so i'm I'm usually running calls. Um, and as far as the cell phone, it is e-scout and all the, I'm always on my phone looking at different States and, and even around here, like different transition areas where there's field or woods and where there's, uh, on a topo where there's, um, high points looking, Mm -hmm. looking where I could stand to listen and, and, and may possibly hear one in the distance. And, constantly i mean i i drive around looking for turkey in fields and it's always on my mind it, so i it, that's where i start though is calling scouting and uh looking on my looking on my phone mainly like i'm trying to 
turn the whitetail brain, my, my whitetail brain into like, how could it translate into the turkey woods? Right. Like I remember when we went scouting a couple of times before the, before the first day and everything, just to see if we could roost some birds, you know, like, and you just said it looking at the topo maps, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we look at, okay, where's that thermal hub? Where were those points where we think bucks could be bedding? Like, what are those key things that you're maybe, like you said, keying in on that? Let's, let's look here and get in there to scout for some, some turkeys, maybe find the different scat, you know, find, mm-hmm. making sure the, the tracks, stuff like that. Is there anything that, you know, someone could key in on basically? I like the transition areas the between, transition. between uh, field and woods. I also look for ridges. Okay. I like to concentrate on high points where I can maybe walk a high point. I always like to be above the gobbler. So, um, it, that's where I, I usually tend to, focus on for whatever reason i I seem to um go towards rivers a lot i have a lot of success in river bottoms or creek bottoms Mm -hmm. and i usually try to stay to the high side of it um i find myself usually crossing a creek because it seems like they're always on the other side for Mm -hmm. whatever reason but uh yeah like you said i look for sign as far as scratching scratching is huge if i see fresh scratching i usually start taking my time in an area um start walking paying attention to my surroundings listening as i'm walking might do some contentment calls purring and a little bit of clucks and and uh and and really honing in because not all the time are they going to be responsive to your uh your yelping and your cut and uh especially if there's uh some hens with them they they might the hens might be pulling them the other way but if you can start doing some just contentment calls and ease in Mm -hmm. to an area where you know they have recently been you're there's a good chance that you're going to bump into them. Yeah. Well, I know on the the last podcast you were talking about preseason scouting and you Mm. like to go out and listen for the birds and kind of see where they're at, you know, how early in the season, you know, are you doing that? Are you doing that now? Or, you know, is there a certain time frame? and, you know, when is too early or, you know, I mean, obviously too close isn't too close, but you know, when are you starting to listen and when do you think, you know, if you hear that bird, he's going to be in that area come the season. Like, is there a time frame or something you're you're looking or starting that process? So, I I just started last weekend uh, going out, and then and in the past, th- I, this is late for me. Usually, I'm I've been out for a couple weeks already, uh, but last weekend was my first weekend. I did hear a gobbler. I was in a newer area that I had never never hunted before. Well, I hunt a general area, but not in that specific location. Um, but usually, I see middle to uh, beginning of April to middle of April is whenever I start seeing the flocks starting to s- scatter. As far as uh, the the birds are the gobblers are being more territorial. Uh, it seems like certain locations, I'll go like this time of the year, and there'll be several several gobblers, and then they start breaking off their hens are getting in areas where they want to start maybe, you know, to start nesting or in, and and doing their thing. But, uh, yeah, I scout the whole way up till, till it's time to start hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you just have a, especially the closer you get to the season, I, I typically see that the gobblers are going to be in that general area. Um, unless something, happens as far as predator or hunters or Mm -hmm. getting spooked a little bit but maybe not same tree but same general area 
That's a great question because that, that was kind of like where my brain, I think, wanted to go to is, is there a moment where, you know, we, you know, we as deer hunters, uh, you know, I'm saying for, for Dimitri and I basically, and Dimitri, you know, Dimitri loves killing out, killing turkeys and has done that plenty of times where, where I'm thinking is, you know, like on our Sundays, right? We, we go out scouting even during the season to find that, where's that bucket dropping that mm-hmm. sign? Is there a time where you're like, I'm not pushing in there because I don't want to bump that gobbler. Like, does that ha- like happen more often than you think? I'm sure it does. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I've spooked plenty of gobblers over the years. The older I get, I think the little the more patient I'm getting. Mm. Um, and I, I usually ease into an area, uh, when I'm scouting, I really try not to, to bump anything. And usually if I think I'm getting close, I, I bounce out and, and go somewhere else just because it's not worth it to bump that gobbler. Not saying it won't be there tomorrow or who knows, but, uh, want to maximize your opportunities when you get to to get to hunt. So Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code AntlerUp to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at SpartanForge.ai. Well, and, and what do you think about the, the season time frame for, for Pennsylvania? Yeah. You know, that, that comes up a lot, you mm-hmm. know, when we talk about turkey hunting. And, you know, I, I feel I'm not a turkey expert like you are, but, you know, I feel like it's late and there's, you know, when it gets into that warmer weather and i mean i know we just we just had snow you know i still have a couple <laughs> inches of snow at my house and you know yeah. so you never know what you're gonna I get still love your, into... your snowbird kill man yep. i still well, that love was, that that was actually in may we got that snow a couple, couple of years ago yeah, yeah that was like three or four years ago yeah you know but uh you know talk about a little bit of that just because you know obviously you hunt in other states and mm-hmm. you know so your strategy is going to change and we probably change a little bit from the early on seasons to the to the later or the end of pennsylvania because pennsylvania is probably one of the later states you know probably for this area and how that changes your strategy and you know game planning going into the season i uh, i personally don't mind our season a whole lot now i agree with you i think it'd be a lot easier to kill gobblers if they brought it in in uh, middle of april but i, I kind of I kind of agree with where the season's at, mainly because I think a lot of the hens are already um, have been bred and they're they're starting to nest. So at least we're not taking out um, gobbler like they're having the opportunity to do their breeding. And then, uh, you know, that's where my mindset is. And I could be completely wrong on that. But uh, as far as um, later in the season, I tend to not call as much. And they're more contentment calls. And uh, earlier in the season, I'm a little bit more aggressive uh, with my calling, and I've been fairly um, successful with that, being being more aggressive at the beginning of the season. Um, but as that season goes on, it seems like I guess the best way to describe it is a lull period where uh, they, the gobblers might not be gobbling or being as active vocally. And uh, so – I. I, I tend to do my contentment, like I was saying, uh, get into an area and I'll sit a lot longer and be a lot more patient, uh, later as the season goes on. Now, if I have one that's, uh, being very vocal and gobbling a lot towards me, I'll step it up then and, 
and uh, I try to try to fill out the gobbler and see how their interaction mm-hmm. is with me and I feed and I, I call based off of that interaction so yeah. every every uh, instance is a little bit different but uh, yeah that's that's my approach I think I think it's better to start out um, being uh, more contentment then you can always pick it up but I think if you start out being real aggressive in your calling it, it could could cause a gobbler to be a little call shy yeah what about since you take your daughters out that week prior to our opening Mm. opening day do you notice anything like in that that first week that anything changes amongst the birds like does that does the quote-unquote pressure by people going out like between scouting looking for that bird for the next week plus youth hunters going out there does that do you think do anything have you ever noticed anything like that the last couple years i have actually i mean youth day has been treated us great i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of i'm not saying we're we're killing any but we're we're coming close or we're 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 getting action Mm -hmm. um but i i will say especially the last two years uh hunted youth day with my daughters went back to that same area first day and there was a total difference i didn't hear as many gobblers now whether that's because we were in there and working them that week prior i don't know or I, I'm not sure because I know they're there. Yeah, I, I see them throughout the season. So yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I that that could be because of the hunting pressure the week prior and mm-hmm. people scouting and getting gearing up for the season. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, what do you think about you know what affects the the response of gobblers? You know, obviously, you know we know pressure and predators is going to kind of throughout the season is going to cause them to be a little bit shyer. You know, that's kind of the easy answer. But do you think like, you know, we've heard temperature or barometric pressure? Mm. You know, what what do you think about some of those things that's going to play into, you know, the response or you know hearing a gobbler respond to you or early in the morning? I think that pressure has a lot to do with it. Okay. It, it seems to. Uh, what's the magic number above 30 or something like that, that with the pressure Bare, yeah, yeah. Barometric pressure yeah i i typically see a lot more uh action and they're a lot more vocal on those days but hmm. that's not every time I, I wouldn't say that but uh earlier in the season is whenever i'm i'm hearing my most goblin now as of recent i mean i have my days like last last year towards the end of the season i was hearing still a fair amount of gobblers and they were being they were they were gobbling like it was the beginning of the season so i don't know i i wish i did know because I was, <laughs> those are the days i'd be really taking off work but uh yeah i don't know i know i always you know the thing that gets me is you'll hear people about the rain right you know what to not to go or to go and man i don't know how many times i've driven home when it's getting close to the season or during the season and it's pouring out mm-hmm. and i there they there's a whole flock of turkey in that field yeah you know like i always concentrate on the fields when it starts raining yeah i, I they tend to always want to go to the fields and i think that a lot of it's because they can't hear as well for mating purposes and cautious of predators so they'll get in an open area where they they can see i mean their that's their eyesight's amazing yeah yeah when's our sunday hunting coming for turkey (laughs) i don't think anytime soon that's that was one thing i wish they would do is um open sundays for it one of the sundays for the regular season but for youth i think that'd be awesome if they'd do a saturday and sunday uh 
just the whole weekend for the kids to should go out yeah i think that'd be a great opportunity for them but i don't know if we'll ever see it but we are seeing more sundays you know yep. so maybe that will be something for the future yeah i'd never like we hear about deer and we got the bear right but i've never really heard anybody be like i want that for my turkey season too <laughs> you know no i just think it d- depends on if they pass sunday hunting you know in general yeah. i mean i think that's what it's going to come to because you season's just that one Saturday, right? That Correct. doesn't carry yeah. into the week at all because I think a lot of states do the whole week, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I when I'm home here in PA, I kind of enjoy having the Sunday off because I'm usually running ragged. It's a day for me to catch up with the family, rest, and, and, and get things done around the house. However, I'll say with the amount of traveling I do, whenever I go out of state and you can't hunt a state on a Sunday, that's miserable because mm-hmm. you, you're out there you're and it's a day that's just wasted. I mean, you, you go out and scout and everything, but so I usually try to get to a state where I know I can hunt on a Sunday whenever yeah. I'm, I'm traveling. Well, that brings up a great point, like just Sunday hunting in general. And that's, I was actually thinking about this today mm-hmm. and that is because I agree with you. There, there are times where those Sundays are my days, you know, obviously with the family, right? Like your recovery, you're maybe going out scouting, but those days that you could kind of, you know, energize those batteries, basically morning, midday, and then in that evening, you can get out there and hunt, right? Like those are opportunities where for guys like us that work during the week, yeah, man, that, the, I mean, I don't know, it could, it could potentially save us so many days quote-unquote sick days or vacation yeah. days that you know we, we don't use mm-hmm. when that weather is quote-unquote the prime time yeah to get out there i told molly i said this year you probably won't see me because i'm gonna travel to a state where i can go hunt on a sunday yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she's of course thrilled about that yeah right know, but uh yeah I, I i like it but i also don't like it at, at the same time it's this time of the year i i just catch the fever so bad that I want to be hunting every opportunity that I'm off. Well, I I just think if they legalize it, I mean, you're going to play it out how you want to play it out, right? Yeah. You know, if you feel like you're able to go hunting, you're going to go hunting. Oh. If you if you want to go to church or you want to do family time or, you know, you're going to do family time. I mean, it's, it's just whatever you feel is necessary or what's going to benefit you. So, you know, why hold people back if, you know, mm-hmm. they can make those decisions? Yeah. And that's the one thing. Like, not every single hunter is going to be out there every sunday right like you just right. said dimitri there are going to be times like you said i i wish they would pass it because i again it would i don't know how many times we've, we've said it either on the podcast not on the podcast how many times are we looking forward forward to that saturday and then as friday comes and the weather totally changes and saturday is just miserable mm-hmm. and sunday's like my gosh you can Beautiful. see your breath <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. it is just the perfect day mm-hmm. to be in the woods and you're driving around you see deer everywhere right Happens you see turkey everywhere <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know i i'm fingers fingers crossed for one day that we could get mm-hmm. you know i think it's coming yeah, yeah. I do it's too. just a matter of time yeah. yeah yeah i think so too what do i've heard more people talk about trying to remove like the saturday opener i'm, I'm that's a big thing right now right I mean, i've read a couple 
I think that's one thing that's on the the docket, and I forget what the other. Uh, the, well, what they want to do is um, seniors can have no antler restriction. Is another thing I think that okay. I saw that they're voting on too. I think that's like the the two big things. But I mean, again, it almost like the Sunday hunting's kind of being pushed to the wayside. Yeah. As I, I maybe someone knows more than me, but you know that's kind of the couple articles that I've seen. Yeah. Is the two big things that they're presenting. Because I think they're voting pretty soon, right? It's usually yeah, I'm cause, not sure. Because the season, I mean, you can buy a license in June, June. so it's yeah. got to be, be within a month. Man, I hope they keep the Saturday. You I like mean, it? I, I do just for the sole fact that where I work, they don't give off Monday anymore. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice for these schools because they get Monday, yeah. Tuesday, but where I work, now, I'm hoping the, their main reason was because it's now Saturday. Right. So if it would switch, maybe. So if it goes those... back, it better go back. But my well, my thought that. my thought <laughs> process is once it's once changed, it's, it's not gonna it's not going back. Yeah, see, I not for hunting purposes. I like the old tradition of just going to camp and hanging yeah. out. Yeah. I feel rushed, yeah. but I could take it or leave it. It doesn't doesn't matter to me either way. Yeah. I guess I would. I guess I'd prefer it be on Monday, but I would just take vacation days for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that not everybody has that option. Right. Yep. Yeah, you know? and if they would do that, if they would bring it back in Monday, I would. I hope that they will do maybe Saturday, Sunday of the first week, and Saturday, Sunday of the second week. Give everybody weekends. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that and and being rifle in Pennsylvania is such a hard argument too. You know what I mean? Because like. We know how that first day, even like the first hour, two hours, how crucial that is <laughs> mm-hmm. for everybody, right? Because yeah. you could say, well, if you want to go to camp and hang out, well, why don't you just go to camp? And then when you want to hunt, hunt. But, I mean, that's totally different when it comes to rifle. Yeah, because those that, deer are moving everywhere. Yeah, so if you miss that first hour or two, I mean, that's pretty crucial mm-hmm. in, in most, most places. So, you know, I've never had like the camp, uh, you know atmosphere where we hang out and do all this like shooting guns and you know what i mean so i can't speak upon that but i i get it and i understand people have traditions and pa yeah. built on traditions but you know so it's it's hard to make that argument you either gotta you know do it on saturday or monday and you know change your plans according mm-hmm. accordingly to whatever whatever yeah. the date is yeah i mean and they talk about the it's the businesses and they bring up yeah. like that aspect of things. And I get that. Like I do restaurants, but really oh, every tradition that I ever hear is more so of these guys going to a camp. Not, mm-hmm. Hey, we're, we're going to go down and, and eat at the, or whatever restaurant down the road. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure restaurants do make money and you know, somebody's probably, you know, that listen to this is like, well, we go there every year and that's, that's great. But I mean, most people that i hear when they talk about traditions is a hunting camp right i'm with i'm in the same boat as dimitri like if i were growing up i just went to my dad's okay right it was it was i'd go to my dad's we'd pack our sandwiches we'd get up and we would go and afterwards we'd go to the hut at the club basically but it wasn't a place where people camped at Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so yeah so i mean so again because i'm i was never i wasn't brought up in that staying over camp feel so right. that's why i'm all about keep it saturday at least because if you remove that like dimitri said i don't see yeah, me getting that day right back. Yeah. yeah that's understandable yeah well you're going out of state here soon mm-hmm. what trips do you got lined up this year you got mississippi yeah i'm gonna do a uh you're going pacific, out west still yeah i'm gonna yeah. go pacific uh west <sighs> depending on snow <laughs> at this point because they've been getting pounded out there yeah. but i mean 
flight's already booked, so I'm going. I just don't know exactly where. Originally, it's uh, Washington and Idaho. Okay. We'll see. They, there's quite a bit of snow. So Mississippi's in two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then one of They those? just opened up today. Yeah. I mean, for the uh, their adult season. Adult season. Now for uh, their, their regular season, I guess you could say. But they're... Their season's kind of uh, – it's a draw now for the first two weeks for non-residents. So, And I, I didn't find out till a couple weeks ago. I, I did end up drawing, but I had to put in vacation time prior to that. So yeah. I'm locked in now for the 28th is whenever you can everybody, – everybody can start hunting. Okay. What's your game plan? Game plan is to find a turkey in that state because <laughs> last time I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a game plan. I've been e-scouting like we talked about earlier. I'm on my cell phone laying in bed at night just <laughs> looking at maps, <laughs> trying to figure out where I can find a turkey that no one else is going to be at. Because yeah. that's what I was running into last time a lot too was I did find some turkey. Um, they were actually on private but workable from the public. And uh, – there was about a handful of other guys trying to do the same thing that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I think the, the out of state game plan, obviously thinking whitetail, right? You know, the term is scout more, hunt less when you're out of state, right? You're trying to find that sign. But with turkeys, I mean, you can kind of hear them from the distance, yeah, right? A lot of times. And so you're, you know, you're, you're basically hunting and scouting, scouting at the same time where you're trying to, cover ground and you know find that bird right yeah i lose a lot of weight in spring i mean <laughs> between not eating is like i should and uh is the, a lot of miles i put on and depending on the terrain it can be pretty rough i i i'd say i put on about eight to ten miles a, a day when i'm i'm hunting turkey mm-hmm. on average boy i watched that one episode with ted and aaron from ted shot that bird in colorado last year like they just aired it Man, they were back like I don't know how many miles, a couple miles, but it was just like like you just said, it's just so cool to see in mm-hmm. a different state like Colorado to to go up somewhere and, and kill a bird. That's half of it for me, is just the scenery. The and adventure. Being, being out there, seeing different things and it's just a different from atmosphere from what we see mm-hmm. around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That all plays into it. And yeah. a lot of times yeah, I like fly into different states because you're there you you take you maximize your time as to hunting but it's nice to drive and and just get the full experience yeah mm-hmm. well that's so, a that's a unique topic about going out flying totally out west so yeah i mean what it what like how do you game plan for that because renting a vehicle mm-hmm. you know you have to obviously check your luggage with your shotgun i'm assuming yeah. and, and all that stuff so like how, what's the, your are you going with somebody yeah there's there's two of us going okay. two other guys going out west uh and we're flying uh i've found that southwest is the best uh airlines for for flying with uh your luggage because you get two free check bags one's going to be the the rifle case or the shotgun case and then i try to jam pack the other one with as much hunting stuff as i can and then you get a free carry on mm-hmm. uh i've been recently been trying to take a camera with me so i i, I shove that into like a, a pouch or a satchel if you will <laughs> <laughs> but uh just carry it like almost like a purse on on the plane and just to try to 
like I have a, a vest that I absolutely love, but I probably won't be able to fit it in my my uh, bag just because I'm the room. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking with all the snow they have out there, probably two pairs of boots, one to one to let dry, and the other ones to be wearing the, the next time. Like yeah. this all all plays into it, so I don't have to get a third bag and pay extra money. It's already expensive as it is anymore, so. <laughs> There's a lot of planning involved with it, trying yep. to <laughs> I, I cut down on the uh casual clothes and I it's all camo. Like I yeah. might be wearing camo to the restaurants or yeah. wherever we eat yeah. the store. <laughs> Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. What about like decoys? Are you taking decoys? Are you when you're running gunning, you don't worry about it, you don't think it's necessary? I don't I, I don't typically use any. Um I use them with my daughters yeah. because uh I try to get the focal off off us. If I can get that attention on they can move a little bit Mm -hmm. Uh, and but i mean we have not used them before only because a quick setup situation or something like that but when i'm traveling even whenever i'm driving i I, like i went to delaware i didn't use any it's just i enjoy i want to this is what i love doing is calling and making calls that's how i want to that's how i want to do it everybody's different so um to me, I, I that's the way I want to do it. Well, speaking of a run and gun setup, I mean that's what I would say most listeners kind of have been gravitating to, mm-hmm. right? Is doing that whole run and gun mobile turkey hunting, and you know, what is your setup? Well, you said you have a favorite vest and everything yeah. like that. Like, what are you running? So I have a it's an older vest that Cabela's made. It has a l- aluminum frame in it, and it has like a kickstand where I. I love it because I don't have to sit against a tree. And a lot of situations, like there might be a hemlock tree with, you know, if you're sitting against a hemlock, some tree is moving, even though you're not, or limbs mm-hmm. moving, even though you're not moving. Uh, also, if there's a bush, I can sit slightly just in front of that bush where there's enough to break my silhouette, but I can be leaning against and sitting into my vest. And I, re- I rely on that thing a lot, but I don't know if I'll be able to take it. Uh, boot set up i've been wearing those what how you pronounce hornwogs mm-hmm. i've been wearing them and i like them that uh, them and crispies i think are comparable mm-hmm. Very. Um, and and i i've been i've been using uh like uh mossy oak what's the bottom land yep camo mm-hmm. mainly now i'm a little concerned i've actually been looking out west it seems like a lot of the colors are a little bit lighter so i've been looking at maybe trying to switch up my camo patterns for out there just to mm. that that's also into my uh, stuff you don't think you know what i mean i mean we thought mm-hmm. you know fusion boom we're out yep. west right we're i mean obviously specter kind of fits that mold as well but i mean when you look or before specter came out for first light for that pure whitetail pattern for them it was fusion was western and you, okay and you had decipher was more of that quote-unquote eastern and yep fusion worked really well here that's what you even ran still run mostly too but i mean I, I'm still wearing camo from like 
12 years ago. Like I, <laughs> Come I, on, Andrew. You got the time. I man. know. <laughs> and I don't even know what camo patterns are out there anymore. If you, I have a, a storage closet right over there with all my hunting gear, and it. you would laugh if you saw half the stuff I wear. Like <laughs> I'm talking like the um, – is old – camo pattern it's brown yellow and like a even darker brown like <laughs> just spots everywhere That's right. like and i still i still wear it uh yeah so i it works and yeah. but i i have been considering out west that it, it might be a little bit lighter and i might need to invest it so i might need your guys's advice yeah. on what to <laughs> what to buy there you go well and i feel like those turkeys can pick you out i mm. mean i mean no matter what you wear and some of those birds are so stingy yeah. i mean you, you're not even moving or you don't even blink and you're like, I don't even know how that thing saw me. Wasn't that one, was it two years ago when me, you and your dad were all in mm-hmm. that line and that one got under a tree and you yeah, were like, I was under, I... I was under a blowdown and everything. I mean, I was like, this is I, the best setup I could possibly be, be. And I mean, this thing came out and <laughs> 40 yards and he looked right at me and I didn't even move and he was gone. Isn't that crazy how they do that? Sometimes? I know. And sometimes I don't even know that they see you. It's just, they they just have it. They're weary. They're weary yeah, they where they're just like, something's not adding up here and I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, it's so funny because how many times have you heard or saw a deer when they're walking and they're like, bink, you know, they, they're looking up and yeah. they, they pin you, but then there's other deer that just go through it. Uh, I, we rarely hunt from the ground, right? I mean, we see hundreds now. That's like the thing to do. And there's plenty of hunters that are great. But when you think about these turkeys, one, their eyesight's impeccable like mm-hmm. we, what we we're just talking about but then we're also on their ground level like we're at yeah. their level to make difficult you know even harder for us yeah that's where patience the older i've gotten i realize that's a, that's huge yeah you're taking your time walking uh trying to listen as you're as you're walking and paying attention to your surroundings so since you're a phenomenal caller uh, i don't know <laughs> about that do you when you're going into the whitetail woods like when it is deer season and you're going after a big buck yeah are you calling walking in with the, with the turkeys just to kind of break that up a little bit you mean if i'm actually hunting deer what, yeah if you're hunting deer are you with a mouth called tur- no, i've never done that yeah that'd be something mm-hmm. that'd be a good idea yeah i, I now in the fall if if fall turkey's in I do carry a, a call with me. And if I usually see a flock in, in the fall while I'm hunting archery, I'll get it out. Yeah. But I haven't ever had a, I've never got one. Cause I way. heard, I've seen, I've actually, I've talked to some people that like they, they do do that just to kind of, especially if the leaves are really crunchy, makes just sense. makes sense. I'm yeah. just a shitty game caller when yeah. it comes to that. I'd be like, those deer would be like, yeah, that ain't no turkey. I'm yeah. out of here. That makes sense. Yeah. Might be something I have to. There you go. Start trying. You're going to be like, hey, Jeremy Dimitri, we just, uh, I just put one down. <laughs> this, yeah. This butt crest over the nice ridge here, and I just <laughs> blasted him. No, that's cool, man. Um, I'm trying to think there was something else. What about gun? What gun are you using? So I use it. It's a 12 gauge TriStar, and I've been using that gun since 2010 or 2011. And I was having a hard time back then. I went through like, three three guns and i know they were the it's not the gun it i just wasn't finding the right choke pattern or choke and shells to get the pattern i was looking for so my dad actually found a company uh rhino choke tubes they still make chokes but they were teamed up with tristar at the time and i got a hold of them because my dad let me know that they would basically guarantee you a pattern with their with 
uh, heavy shot mag blends, rhino choke tube, and this TriStar gun. So that's what I ended up going with, and I've been using it. And I'm, uh, I'm, it's a good patterning gun, and I'm very confident in it. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story. I found a better patterning gun, and I hung this one up on the shelf for one one day. Okay, it, <laughs> and that was because I got one day to hunt while I was uh, in the academy. Okay. Very first day of spring gobbler season in 2014, I missed three gobblers that day. On three, I called in three separate gobblers and missed all of them with this this gun that I it patterns great. But I was like, I, I've never used that gun since, and it still sits in my gun save, <laughs> and I've used that TriStar ever since. Wow. Hmm. I just lost confidence, and I'm confident with that gun. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Now, do you use a red dot or anything? I just use beads, and uh, I always have. Uh, with my daughters, though, I have a red dots for them, and they're the thing. That, that's, that, that's what I would use if I wasn't still just – confident in using my bead setup because mm -hmm. they're they're perfect they're they're uh you hone right in on that gobbler with that red dot and they do a great job of uh being uh, the, the my daughters are you can tell that they're focused on that gobbler with yeah. that red dot yeah. yeah you said about pattern so like mm -hmm. dub it down right oh yeah you know so, like what 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 are you what like when you look at that and you're like wow this actually patterned better than my tristar but obviously yeah know. i don't remember exactly what numbers i was getting with that gun but my tristar um now pattern then mm -hmm. compared to now with this tss loads is two different things okay uh but back then i was getting you're, you're shooting the gun at 40 yards at least I am, I, and I think most people are. They're and they're shooting it at like a, a sheet of paper or cardboard, probably mm -hmm. three by three, I would guess. And you take your, you figure out your pattern. You look at the the cardboard wherever your your most BBs are. You have a ten like if you take a paper plate is typically about ten inches round. You circle that and then you start counting all the BBs within that. Okay. Within that 10 inch circle and, uh, whatever amount that you come up with. So at the time that my TriStar probably gets, I think it's around 220 BBs in a 10 inch circle at 40 yards, which is phenomenal. Yep. Um, and that's where I'm comfortable with shooting. I, I don't really shoot past that. Uh, but these guns now with the, like my daughters are shooting that TSS loads out of a 410 and that 410 they're getting like a hundred, I don't know, like 150 to 180 BBs out of a 410 at 40 yards with this PSS loads. <laughs> now they're, yeah. they're nine and a half, 10, nine and a half shot or 10 shot. But uh, yeah, they're, it's, it's impeccable. And they, the, the weight of them is comparable to like, don't quote me on this, but like num number nine TSS weight wise is comparable to a number five lead. Okay. So when they're hitting them, you're getting, Mm -hmm. the, the impact's the same, mm -hmm. so even though it's smaller shot. Yeah. Well, that's what I I know. Even a lot of adult hunters that are going to the 410 with the TSS just because yeah. it's a it's a lighter gun, less of a kick, you know, yeah. and it's gonna you know produce the same. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you can get those. I mean, uh, I I don't know about now because of Hell, inflation, th but th three hundred bucks. Yeah, like the the I know the 
four or five years ago, though, Stevens 410 was yeah. like one ninety nine. I I bought one for one hundred and eighty dollars, uh, and that that my one daughter still uses it. And then I have four four or no, I'm sorry, three four tens now. So uh, yeah, each one has their own, <laughs> which is completely unnecessary because yeah. they I can't take them all uh, at all the three. same time. Yeah, and uh, sure, I have to help them like you know aim and whatnot like they're in between my legs and i kind of support the gun as yeah. they're aiming yeah so yeah <laughs> now i did find a neat trick last year because a lot of times that um i was i think hindering them a little bit as far as i was holding the gun like they're sitting down here and i i'm kind of steering the gun but i can't really tell what they're aiming at so what i did was i bought a monopod and i stick it in front now, if the gobbler comes within a, you know, a certain degree rate, you know, uh, they'll be able to sh shift a gun on that monopod, but it, it's worked out pretty good so That's far. Great. Yeah. But if it, if they come way off to the side one way or the other, I'm going to have to pick it up off the monopod. Right. To... Right. Well, that day we were sighting in our rifles this year, that one uh, guy with his daughter, she was sighting in with her uh, 350 Legend. It yep. was on one of those monopods. And, I mean, same thing, Andrew. It was cool to just watch her go up to it. She just went here, bang. You know what I mean? Yep. It was just such a cool thing. And what you just said, I, I remember being a youth hunter. My dad, same thing. Uh, you know, kind of just, no, you're good. Um, same thing, just kind of was, like, slowly moving me. Yeah. You know, like, follow, follow them, follow yep. the bird. So. Yeah, that's that worked out real well and that was my first time trying that uh the monopod was and i think i thought of it in the past but the one i have is about as short as you can get now you can extend it yeah but it was still too high for my younger two daughters okay because even on its low unless i could jam it down in the ground you know mm -hmm. far enough that where it was still the gun was still sitting too high for them to yeah. get down on but. yeah so goals going into this season what is it what are they <sighs> goals well, I'd be lying if I didn't want, didn't say that I want to kill a gobbler in every state that I go to. But the goal is to go out there and just have a good time. I, I enjoy every moment that I'm out there, especially with my daughters, my dad, my mm -hmm. buddies. So as long as we're having a good time, which we always do. So that's, that's the goal. Now, on a, on a killing aspect of it, that's not what it's all about, but obviously that's what i'm out there trying to do yeah but uh yeah that i would like to i'm i'm planning on hitting at least three or four states this year so it'd be nice to to tag one and all of them yeah three or four <laughs> birds <laughs> how many states are you up to 15 okay yeah i i I, sh I was lucky enough delaware was the only state last year that i didn't kill and delaware is tough it's just there's just not a lot of opportunity unless you have private um that was the only state i didn't kill in last year and i like i said i i came extremely close it was a situation where it was a touch too far and there there ended up being I'm coming i'm going on a story now but no, there ended good. up ended up uh being another hunter in there and i i wasn't sure if he was working those i wasn't familiar with the area obviously and i just I didn't feel comfortable shooting it if he was already there there and it, it was a touch too far anyway and it, it just it didn't feel right to me so uh i went back in there in the next couple of days and never mm -hmm. never got to work them again but that was the only i'd ended up shooting seven gobblers last year uh 
and then like i said each of my three daughters shot some i was there from <laughs> i was there for my my dad uh he killed one when i was with him i was there with my brother he killed one so i got to i i mean i i, I typically get action but it's because i'm you know i'm out there i'm, I'm just an at i'm just relentless i guess you could say i just enjoy it so much that it, I'm going to be hunting if I, if I can. So you're like, we can go out on a limb and say you're a hundred percent full in, like, you know, that's when it comes to Turkey. What, what would you say is your percentage when it's the whitetails? Mm. Well, early season, like I told you, my oldest daughter has been getting into mm -hmm. archery a little bit. So we, I take her, um, I hunt so much in the spring. I almost feel guilty going out in the fall going in the fall so what I, what i've this is the um compromise i have with my wife and i don't know that she's ever agreed to this compromise i just <laughs> this is <laughs> this is just me saying this uh she uh i always tell her every halloween you will not see me a whole lot for the next two weeks and and that's that's usually when i'm in the woods and i i do get out as much as i can i will say i uh I spend a lot, of, like a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours in the evening. Those days of me with all day sits just don't seem to happen as much anymore, just because something's going on. Mm -hmm. And not, it's not that I don't enjoy it, uh, or man, I get cold, and maybe I got to get some of this new camo because I, I'm telling well, you, we got to hook them up. We'll figure something out, Andrew. <laughs> uh, my dad bought me some uh, heated socks because I'm always <laughs> complaining that my feet start freezing, and that's, yeah. but. Yeah, so I, I haven't tried them out. I got those for Christmas. Because that's – that was like a thing that I had. You know, like I, I've i enjoyed going out turkey hunting. Last mm -hmm. year, actually, I, I didn't get out once. Um, just, you know, I was coaching this year. I'm not, so I plan on coming yeah, out a lot. Yeah, you said and, that. Um, so I'm really excited for, for this spring. But, yeah, I – you know, when it comes to the whitetail, obviously, that's like – Oh, you guys are fanatics about it. Yeah. You guys are like – Yeah. I am for turkey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which – I'm into. Don't get me wrong. I'm into deer hunting. It, well, yeah. If I, well, I, I turn around here and I'm looking at those those deer <laughs> tail. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You, yeah, you're into. Yeah, deer I don't have anything <laughs> hanging on my wall like that. I don't need it. <laughs> oh shit. That my fo my focus when I was younger was deer hunting. Okay. But it's in the past ten years when I start my very first trip, which I showed you that gobbler that's mm -hmm. mounted out there from my very first trip. From that trip on. I have been addicted to turkey hunting yeah. and that was, and, and I kicked myself because, uh, the guys in the turkey call company with me, Tony and Tyler, they are always like begging me to go on these turkey. They knew I was a turkey hunter. I mean, I've always been into it and boy, do I kick myself now for not going, going there. Yeah. because I, <laughs> I mean, that's what I look forward to year round. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm like, staying awake w until 11, 12 o'clock looking on maps, trying to figure out where, I'm and that's half the fun though, because whenever it happens, when you put all that time into it, like you guys know, with it, it, it's, it's just so rewarding. Dude, it was rewarding hearing you just say you killed seven last year. Like that, like <laughs> yeah. to me, like I'm sitting here like, yeah, yeah. You know, like as if I was a part of it in a sense, we got to get him to, to meet Tim. Mm-hmm. So He's our, a fanatic too. Yeah. Oh, big yeah. turkey fanatic. Tim used to make his own old calls as well. Nice. Um did he have a company or just made them for he did. himself? I and think friends? he partnered with someone okay. uh, before 
Um, we won't say any names. So yeah. he, he did partner with someone in the past, and I think he still has all the presses and, all the presses and, yeah. and everything like that. And he goes out west. He's done, you know, I know he's done out west. I know he's done down south. So, yeah, we, we'll have to, uh, next time yeah. he's out here, we'll have to see if you're That'd be cool. Yeah, you're free because he is a fanatic. Yeah. Actually, he worked, um, he helped out at the tethered booth for the Great American Outdoor Show. And he heard them talking about the new vest they were coming out. Did you see that by chance? Mm-mm. I'll have to show you it. So uh, Tethered, the saddle hunting company, yep. they've released a, a brand new running gun mobile M2 vest. They worked with the hunting public. Basically, okay. the M2 stands for like the most modular system. So you could run it with like two different ways. You mm-hmm. could have like a, a water bladder pack, which is yeah. could also hold a ton of gear in the backpack and then there's a bird bag. I thought you were going to say beer. Yeah. Yeah. It sure can. <laughs> and then there's the bird bag that like yeah. cinches down. So it's not out back. So like, you know, the guys from hunting public that, you know, they're always yeah, on their, they're... on their go running and gunning and making sure they had, you know, their needs. And, mm-hmm. uh, Carl's a, a wizard when it comes to designing things. I mean, just, yeah. he builds his own houses. Like no one's touching what Carl's doing. So for two years, Carl set out to make the best uh, turkey vest possible. Oh no so, way! So it's this, you know, it's a modular setup. It's it's kind of like a, a harness here yep. in, in the front, and then like I said, there's two different attachments in the back that you could either choose from the run, and it has a a, a weight uh, belt waist, hip waist. Yep. So yeah. So long story short, um, he was working this event. And he was like, what do you know that's coming? I'm like, all I know is that there's a turkey vest coming and it will be released next week at the NWTF. You know, that's nice. all I know. I said, I don't know really what it looks like. He's like, God dang it. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up, like hearing it and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to show yeah. you and send you some videos of that. But, um, but yeah, Tim's a, a diehard when it comes to, to turkeys too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. I'm almost, you know me, I'm always yeah. down to talk to you. I know. Um, there was something too about Pennsylvania that I was – I was trying to muster up, but I can't think about it. <laughs> what about tell like Jeremy was going to say? Tell us a little bit about the calls of you know yeah. making the calls mm-hmm. and you know um, how maybe a little bit about the process of someone maybe that doesn't know what goes into a diaphragm call and you know we'll kind of lead into you know okay. the different calls the diaphragm calls you make and you know how you you come up with like the different cuts and everything you know yeah um, that goes into that. So I have a couple different presses the. The, the, I know everybody can't see it, but these two are the same. And then this one's for making like youth calls, like they're smaller frame. But um, the standard size, I basically just started out experimenting between like double reads first. I started mm-hmm. with the, what was easier. Now, I had Tony's been making my business partner, he's mm-hmm. been making calls for a long time. And he actually showed me, and we were making them on um, these these mad i got one right here it's like a little mad uh call maker and we were making them on these for years and they work they, they work great but as far as reproducing and they're, they're not you're not going to get the accuracy on the stretch of, so we ended up buying industrial uh mm-hmm. presses and just started experimenting with different read each you can buy reads in different thicknesses and then different colors. And I think the colors actually play into the dip sounds, believe it or not, as well as the thickness hmm. and the stretch. But you just start playing around with 
the different combinations and then you start I, I started putting different cuts. Like I would lead, I would start with like a split V, a basic cut. Then I'd maybe take one side off and, and make it into a cutter call. And I just kept experimenting with all the different combinations and cut it down to where I couldn't cut it anymore. And if I didn't, if, if I found one I liked, you'd see, you'd see, uh, on my notepad here, I just started writing down different tensions and, uh, different things that I, I started liking and mm. just kept track of it so i could re reproduce it and then i started handing them out to tony and tyler and buddies and just saying hey let me hear you call on this can you can you reproduce it and a uh, good sound out of it and we never replicated a call until i got like an okay from tony tyler and buddies that yeah this is a good call so then i knew it was user friendly for most people because i i call totally different than tony and tyler call like I can't work many calls. It has to be a user-friendly call for me in order to run one. So once I knew and Tony, he can, I swear he could, he could stick any, any, uh, any call in his mouth and he it sounds yeah. great. So yeah. once we all got on the same page, that's kind of how we all started out was I would just keep writing down different combinations, different cuts and start handing them out to those guys. And that we ended up, I think we have like a dozen calls now. I'm not sure, but, um, and and just kept handing them out and yeah that's how it all started yeah i just know for for me i i mean i always wanted to learn you know using a diaphragm call even when i was little and you know started turkey hunting but i just always struggled with it so much you know i had people trying to teach me and you know i i think i went to a couple of those like nw uh yeah things like that and people were teaching you and stuff and i i remember i just always never really got it down you know too mm -hmm. much so you know for me being below average uh you know callers you know i've i've used your calls you know multiple times now yeah. and killed uh, a couple birds with them the last couple yeah. of years and you know and for me yeah they definitely are user friendly well, just because you know like me like even i've tried several diaphragm calls and you know like you said there's some that you know, I can't even make a sound out yeah, of, you know, either. I'm doing the exact same thing that I'm doing with this other call. Right. And I'm sounding okay. okay. I never say it sound good, you know, but <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sounding okay and, and, you know, usable. And then like, you know, do the same thing with this call. And it's like, I can't even make a sound out of this yep. thing, you know? And, and that's how I got started making them because I thought, boy, I'm going out and I'm spending eight to $10 or and more now on a call where, I might throw it in the garbage five seconds mm -hmm. after I pop it in my mouth mm -hmm. and give it a run. And I just thought there's got to be, I, I got to start experimenting and doing my own thing because it just isn't making sense for me to just keep buying and, and tossing 10 out of 12, you know, out into the, the garbage. Trash. I, I mean, I will echo exactly what Dimitri said. I mean, for myself, there's time where I, I, I know for a fact with your calls I sound better than even using Slate or anything oh, else. That's great. I, I mean, there. I remember even a couple of years ago when we were testing them out, and you're like, "That actually sounded really good." You know, when I with me call like, yeah. I, you know, I can't really, you know, I, I'm the same way. Like when he shoots his bow, I'm like, "Holy shit, that thing is quiet." And then like when I shoot my bow, I'm like, to me, it sounds loud because right. I'm right there in the moment. Yeah. He's like, "No, that, that's that's quiet." You know what I mean? Type yeah. of ordeal, and it's the same thing for me. I'm like. Now I can't purr. I can't do the cute stuff. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm yelping. Right. That's yeah. pretty, you know, yeah. but, uh, as far as that goes, I do, I actually, you know, that's like great. Dimitri said, and I feel pretty good about them. That that's rewarding to hear yeah. because that's, that's the type of, you guys are the ones that, 
maybe you don't i mean i practice all the time and i should right. be a lot better than what i am for how much i call but a guy that's just popping a call in you know right before season and, yeah. and isn't the most experienced those are the those are the people that i think and you hit that man with, i'm being i'm not trying well, to be a homer and no, saying in front I, of your face and in your house like that I, i'm being dead serious like we could actually that was the goal yeah that, that was my goal because it all started out i am so obsessed about tur- hunt, turkey hunting i love hearing people's success stories not so much like I, I like hearing, hey, this call works. So they start using our calls because you guys are having success with them. But then I get to hear the story that yeah. somebody killed a gobbler with something that I, I made. And it's just so rewarding to hear that. Yeah. What's your go-to? The Black Widow. Yeah, it's a triple read call. It's kind of like a, a bat wing style cut. A um, little bit unique uh, cut in it. It's kind of like rectangles. But uh that that one's my my favorite and i've been working with a new ghost cut call that i haven't even marketed yet or anything Mm -hmm. it's just uh something i tried out last weekend at a calling contest that i went to and i really liked it yeah you guys won right i took first in the amateur division Uh and then i placed Uh sixth in the uh, open division okay so yeah it was there when you go to those you're competing against like some of the top guys in, in the nation so the competition is there. I yeah. mean, no doubt, but I left there. It, it That's only the second one I've ever done. And I'm sure I'll probably do more in the future, but I didn't feel I gave my best performance, which made me feel even better mm-hmm. about it because I, I know maybe, Hey, if I would have done a little bit better, maybe I could have placed a little bit better in the open or right. It, it gave me, I know there's room to improve. Heck yeah. So yeah, I like it. What about, you know, the, the 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 life of a call right you know like when when do you think you know maybe That's you a should great get a new one like whether you like that call and you you want the exact same thing you know because I've heard people say well you should change them up yearly or you know what I mean yeah. um, you know if you're going to use that season after season what what is your suggestion in terms yeah. of that um, I run calls so much that I'm switching them out like monthly but I'm not yeah, your yeah, typical a different level yeah. yeah so i actually think for an average person that that is calling you know on a just in hunting season and practicing a little bit before i think you could hang on to a turkey call and that, this isn't smart of me to say because i'm in this business <laughs> of selling turkey calls but a couple couple of years mm-hmm. as long as at the end of the season you're rinsing them off and clean like i always dip them in Listerine and wash them off with water, tap mm-hmm. water. And then I'll let them dry and then air dry. And then I'll stick them in the fridge for, and Tyler, I think sticks his in the freezer. Um, but either one and like the butter dish. So whenever mm-hmm. you open up the butter dish to get something, they yeah, all fall out on the ground. Yeah. 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 But your wives <laughs> yeah. will like that. Yeah. But that's, that's where I put mine. And uh, yeah. So I, I could get a couple seasons easily. What I what I find, because I have the habit of leaving a call in my mouth all the time when I'm hunting, mm-hmm. and the tape, the 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 stickiness will start separating the 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 tape, yeah. and that usually causes me not to get as good of a seal. And that's not just with like my our calls here at Honey Hole. That's been throughout my life before I even started making them. It just that's just what happens, mm-hmm. and so. Um, 
yeah, I think you could get a couple seasons if you take care of it. But now, if you leave it in the sun or in your car, it's gonna it's gonna dry rot and right. and, and not sound as good. But I think some of the calls that you've broke in for a year or two might be your best sounding calls. You know, come right. year three mm-hmm. or yeah, if you're taking care of them, like you said. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistake people that use diaphragm calls makes? Calling too much. Okay. That would be my opinion. Uh, there's a time and a place, and I I know we touched on this earlier. I, I try to read the gobbler um, before I – if I'm not hearing something, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say this, but uh, I'll start out usually slow. But before I leave that spot, like if I'm doing just some plain yelps or I'm doing some clucking and I'm not hearing anything, before I leave that spot, you best believe that – unless I'm – planning on walking the rest of the way out this ridge you mm-hmm. know what i mean but if right. i'm just stopping in an area to call and that's what i'm doing i'm i'm cranking on that call at the end to make try cutting and maybe and calling calling loud maybe i can reach out to something or fire something up or maybe that's what something wanted to hear was right you know so mm. yeah that's my strategy usually is but calling too much uh i think is a is a problem that will hang up a gobbler and I've learned that through my own trial and errors, <laughs> you know. Yep. And I have – so last time I was in Mississippi, um, when I said I was calling to that gobbler that was on private ground, there was a – I'm assuming he was a local. He had a southern draw to him, and uh, he ended up coming over to me because the gobbler was responsive to me, and – I don't know if he was on that uh, private or if he was on the public or if he was just happening through the area, but he said, yeah, you all call too much. And so I thought, well, maybe he's right. I don't know, but the gobbler was gobbling. So I was, I was trying everything to get it to come over onto the public. I don't know. (laughs) I remember that time a couple of years ago when we were by the fire tower, me, you and your dad, and we, we thought we were working a gobbler and it was another hunter. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were like, it took us what? 25 minutes till we were finally were like, that's another hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That was good stuff. What, um, what are must haves in that vest? What are like at all times do you have with you? Even like counting call, like obviously mm-hmm. your calls, what kind of calls or do you got a, uh, you just doing the owl haul, like who, like mouth do you have like, what's, what's in your vest? So I always have a slate call. Okay. I don't use it very often, but I do use it from time to time. Uh, a pile of mouth calls, obviously. Crow call. Mm-hmm. I usually do the owl hoot. I do have one in my vest, but I, I rarely use it. I would, I'll do it with Dimitri's my natural voice. Dimitri's is really good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, obviously, a lot of shells. Um, I take a box call. I like being able to reach out there on a box call um, and... I have this knee pad that I've just carried around forever. And really I, I, I always try to get it on my knee to set my gun and rest it on because it feels like the, the bottom of where the, the ejection or mm-hmm. yeah, the port is, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it's always digging into my knee. So I it's just have it. I always put that on, not necessarily cause I need it, but it's just, yeah. it's, it's kind of comfortable. And now it's almost like, a good luck yeah you know for me and uh but as long as i have mouth calls i'm i'm good to go like that's normally what i have and normally what i'm running uh 
trying to think what else. I used to carry around a bread bag to uh, simulate, like some guys will carry around a turkey wing or just flap their hat on their leg. But uh, there, there was a bread bag I saw somebody do one time, um, and they just kind of kept pulling it, and it sounded like wings flap. And so I, I carried one of those around for a while. Um, but the biggest thing in that with that vest is that I'm telling you that frame, so I can yeah sit back and and relax yeah whenever there's not a tree available or you know i don't want to cause a whole lot of movement right yeah yeah that's i don't i don't carry a whole lot of stuff mm. how was your whitetail season um not bad uh my daughter my youngest shot her first buck nice so with the rifle uh i think it was the last day no second to last day it was on friday and then uh I ended up shooting one in with the rifle. Yep. Nothing to brag home about. It was, but it, it I got my triple, triple trophy this year. Cause I shot a bear. I shot a gobbler nice. in the fall. And then uh-huh. I, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to say I shot the triple trophy. I, yeah. <laughs> I actually, I remember you actually now sending me that, that message about the, the triple trophy. So mm. now, now that I remember that. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you said you were after a big one. You didn't get a chance to get a crack at him, but you were out yeah. there another big one this year. Yeah. Rumor has it. it yeah. Got poached. Yeah. <laughs> we saw a picture video of him. Man, he was a doozy. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know. What, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> do you go out much? Like, when you're out here scouting for turkey, do you go out and, like, mark things when you see whitetail sign? And I do, yeah. I, uh, I'm always marking on onyx it's well that's the app i use yeah and uh i'm always anytime there's turkey sign or i, I almost get confused because i can't even keep track of it but i think you can keep notes and different yeah. things but yeah i'm not the best with doing that stuff but if i have a pin somewhere i know there's a reason if, if it's turkey on there okay yeah there's <laughs> something so uh yeah i'm always i'm always using it. that's such a t- good tool i mean i know everybody's using it and i i've said this before i almost wish we'd go back to (laughs) not having them because it's so easy now that it's a tool for everybody Everybody. and Mm -hmm. people that normally wouldn't spend the time getting maps and everything they have access right at their fingertips well then it's helped me immensely i'm not oh yeah oh yeah i mean (laughs) same here i mean now i'm like oh you know there's a thermal hub like i i know actually what the hell that is because of being able to listen to podcasts and look yeah. at these maps and everything like that. And, you know, I've actually, you know, I don't know. It's just, like you said, it's, you know, look at Kansas right now. Kansas is uh, banning trail cameras. Yep. I just, are they really? Yeah. Yep. I just saw that. Wow. So they're what? like, Hey, no one come here and hunt anymore. Applications were up like a hundred percent last year. So I don't know what they're, wow. I don't know if that's like why or what, but yeah. I'm, I mean, that's like one thing, like you said, like the, the online tool, like, if they ban trail cameras, like obviously we want to protect hunting, but like I wouldn't mind that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I I hunt in the fall off fresh sign, and you know, yeah. And I like the surprise, and I'm never hunting one specific buck, right, you right. know. So, so I wouldn't mind it, and you know, I think that would give me more of an advantage versus mm-hmm. some people out in the woods that yeah. rely on them and you know try to use that. Mm-hmm. So like you know, if it's a tool that's legal, I'm going to use it and try to make my odds better but you know if they banned it but the the problem is i i worry about them doing this you know more for a political standpoint than it is yeah, for yeah. like the actual game commission wanting you know 
protecting other hunters you you are they trying to you know they it's hard for them to ban hunting right i feel like there's such a group that they would have a hard time just like saying hey hunting's illegal so what they do is if they can create less hunters and you know implement bills that's gonna cause less hunters and you know less revenue to that is that how their way into you know limit hunting for us it's hard to say right yeah, you know yeah, it's it's yeah. decisions that as hunters we got to make just, that what's best for us it's the same thing right now in iowa i mean i had i don't know to the t and i don't want to miss speak on it uh-huh. but i mean it's the same thing they're trying to do something along the lines of like with the cross i think it's a crossbow season and a air air bow or something like that it's you know oh, where wow. like a company in new york is basically paying lobbyists um to huh. for like you know, political people in Iowa to just pass this law. And it's like, whoa, no. Yeah. Type of ordeal. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, I was a state that I would love to hunt for whitetail. Yeah. I'm sure you guys would. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you have to, it's a point system. It's a point system. Takes a few years to. So right, right now, as we speak, I'm on three points. Oh, good for you. Yeah. So I have a buddy that's going next year. He, I think, what is it? Five points. Yeah. Pretty much guaranteed. Pretty much. Yeah. He's, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if point creep, if, if, if <laughs> unfortunately for your buddy, like if five, I mean, we had like what we said earlier, our, our, our friend Tim and Tom, uh, and Tom, they were pretty much almost like a hundred percent, uh, for a mule deer hunt last year. Didn't get it. Zero percent. They, they didn't get it. So it's like you hear, right. Well, you're, you know, the same thing too, for like Kansas, like I have two points for Kansas. Now, luckily for like some of these States, Kansas, uh, Iowa, like yeah. Iowa obviously still is a, it's only, I say only, but it's, you don't have to buy any license or anything like that. It's 50 bucks, right? So you put 50 bucks. I think Kansas is 30, I believe. Okay. But, it, you know, again, I don't have, like, if I want to put in a point for Colorado, I have to buy some license and other things right, like that. So it right. ends up being pricing. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it comes to this time, I'm on a budget, right? Like, I'm, yeah. like, there's certain things where I allot money for and to mm-hmm. do and, um, a 50 and 30, like, Oh, I'm only, I'm less than a hundred dollars for quote unquote points for things I want to hunt. When it gets more than that, it, you know, I have to, you know, put in basically watch what I'm doing, but long story short, I mean, I have two for Kansas and people say like, Oh, I draw every year. Oh, I draw every other year or something along those lines. And yeah. I know, like I said, last year's applications were up like a lot and there yep. was, there was a lot more pressure last year. So I, I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I mean, probably not, but you know, like Dimitri said, who knows what, you know, the way things go in the government sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you there's states that I've hunted for turkey 10 years ago, and I looked at Tony and I said, are you sure it's the first day here? Because we didn't see anybody. We went back to that same state four years later, and it was like there were people everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's weird. weird. Like there's, there's, I see, like Dimitri said, they're, they're legal here. There's aspects of trail cameras that i really like and enjoy and, and utilize them for yep but like you said to rely on them yeah I, you know, I don't either it's that once you do it burns you man yep i've you know i felt that yeah i so. agree sweet man well andrew i dude i can't wait to see uh what the hell how many uh, birds you kill this year <laughs> so i mean as a as a whole i think i was counting between you know between you and your daughters and, you know, like you said, your brother and your dad, you're probably up to like 12 or 13. Yeah. And you throw in your buddies, you're probably up to 20. <laughs> so, I, I mean. Yeah. I, I, 
Yeah, I was fortunate. It was a good season last year. Not to tell everybody, <laughs> toot, tell everybody toot, to come here or toot my own horn. It just worked out. That, now I didn't kill all those gobblers here right. in PA. Those right, were all right, different right, right. states. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great year and. Hopefully, I can. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Last, like I said, Mississippi, yeah. Mississippi's going to be a tough one. Yeah, get after it, man. So you, real quick, before we get off, you've done the Grand Slam, correct? Yeah. Do you have any desire to do it again? Yeah, uh, I'm after that U.S. Slam, okay. and basically that's the 49 states, uh, excluding Alaska, where there's no no talks. Yeah, yeah. but I uh, I didn't start wanted to do that until like two or three years ago i've always just wanted to just i just want to hunt i don't yeah. care if it's an eastern i don't care if it's a merriam i don't care if it's an osceola i just want to hunt turkey um and i'm still that way but now it's like uh, it's kind of a cool goal to try to achieve mm-hmm. i don't know if i'll ever get it but yeah try for it hell man at least you're seeing the country yeah you're seeing all that, this beautiful that's the other thing. what's out there right that's the other adventure thing. yep exactly might become a turkey hunter dimitri just like it's, <laughs> say we're going here we're going Maybe. there you know no man well andrew i appreciate you uh opening up your house to dimitri and i coming here coming. And talk, hunting and talk, you know indulging us with the old turkey talk and uh last year we didn't do any turkey episode basically so this was a pleasure to to talk it gets yeah. me fired up i'm ready to, you know <laughs> hit some mouth calls in the in the car on the drive home so yeah I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks well, for having me on. Where could people, you know, go go check out your calls and and follow along with what what you guys are doing? Yeah, uh, honeyholegamecalls dot com is our website, and then we're on Instagram. It's honeyholegamecalls. Uh, also on Facebook, and then our email is uh, honeyholecalls at gmail dot com. Okay, and if you you check out any, if you're in the central. Uh, pennsylvania area like i'm not talking harrisburg i'm talking more like state college that center county region you guys do a lot of shows like you did the altoona outdoor show this weekend yeah. is the clearfield one we'll be at clearfield um, this week obviously this won't air in, in time for that to, to yeah. you know all that jazz but i mean you know if you guys see anything local that are local listeners if you see uh you know that double h on there go That'd be cool. Check yeah. out Andrew, what his buddies are doing. So, That'd be great. Yeah, appreciate it, buddy. Thank well, you. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Antler up.